0: Before we start, I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is brought to you by BuiltBar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next purchase. That's promo code locked On at BuiltBar.com. To Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Monday, January 18th, 2021. Thank you for tuning in today. First of three shows this week. A lot of baseball news broke after I uploaded the podcast on Friday. I guess that's kind of customary, and that, that is one of the issues you run into, especially when you do three shows a week, is that you sometimes have a tendency to get behind on the news cycle. I mean, we saw it last Friday. I was talking about Al Avila's comments that he made, you know, a full week prior, but when it's the offseason, I don't feel as bad about that. During the regular season, I like I can't miss news. I can't miss games. Like I'm very like OCD when it comes to that stuff, but during the offseason, I feel like as long as we cover it in some capacity, we're, we're doing our jobs adequately, or at least I am. Uh, there is news, though, that I'm going to talk about in the second segment. The Yankees made quite a few moves and are attempting to maybe make even a few more moves this offseason. I'll discuss those, but here in the first segment, I did want to talk about some Tigers news. I believe the Tigers had 10 players that were eligible for arbitration, and none of them will will go to arbitration. And and look, I'm a layman, and so I'm going to try to, as a layman, explain in layman's terms what arbitration is uh, in Major League Baseball. If I screw up a thing or two, please try not to hold it against me, but I think I got it down uh, well enough. And that's that after a few years of service time, a player becomes potentially eligible for arbitration now you don't want to go to arbitration and and, uh, ultimately most players they sit down with someone within the organization they they work out the kind of the details of a contract what they believe they should be paid they settle on a deal and that's that but every so often Marcus Stroman several years ago with the Blue Jays was an example of this. I believe Jack Flaherty is going to be an example of this. He's currently a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Sometimes you don't come to an agreement, and when that happens, you have to have an arbiter who comes in and each side, the player and the organization, submits what they believe that particular player should be getting paid, and it's the arbiter who decides ultimately what the final details of that player's contract will be. If you do go to arbitration, it very often leads to hard feelings, and I believe the Tigers had ten players that were eligible for arbitration, did not get there. The the Tigers and all these players settled on deals, so there's not going to be any hard feelings, and look, that's good. And if you if you're at a point where you can't settle on a deal with these guys, then I don't know, it, you, you you're going to be in a lot of trouble when you get to a point where you're actually making some big deals. Hopefully, making some big deals to sign players that are actually you know solid major league ball players as opposed to kind of the fringe guys that the Tigers currently have, though there were some key pieces up there. Obviously, Buck Farmer, who's been good for this team, obviously was, I believe, potentially eligible for arbitration. Daniel Norris, who pitched some good baseball last year, was eligible for arbitration. They didn't get there. Just wanted to discuss that. I find a lot of that stuff fairly boring, but I, I did feel a need to at least mention it in this first segment. Also, I wanted to bring up another guy who was eligible for arbitration and obviously didn't get there, and that's that Michael Fulmer. He made some comments on a Zoom conference the other day talking about his performance in 2020, and, and you know, I go back and I listen to the podcasts I made during the season, and I think I was as fair with Michael Fulmer as I possibly could have been. And I acknowledged a million times, don't continue to say it again, he's attempting to do one of the most difficult things that it is to do, that there is to do in baseball. And that's come back from a second. Tommy John surgery you know so many pitchers are able nowadays to come back from one it used to be a death sentence for pitching careers it's not anymore guys are able to come back from one Tommy John be but maybe not as electric but be almost as good you know Steven Strasburg prime example there's many examples Tarek Skubal one of the reason he dropped to ninth uh, into the ninth round in the draft when the Tigers took him was because he'd gone through Tommy John surgery Michael Fulmer had it when he was in the minor leagues with the New York Mets and just had had it again In 2019, last year, the Tigers just asked him to give, you know, three innings at a time. He struggled. I mean, Michael Fulmer was was truly abysmal in terms of his performance last year, and he came out and said that he was embarrassed with how he performed in 2020. And Michael Fulmer's always been remarkably candid, and that's what I like about him quite a bit, and always have liked about him. I remember in 2017, when it was obvious that this thing was about to kind of get blowed up and Tigers were going to start making deals, he alluded to the fact that, like, look, I want to be part of a winner here. And I want to be part of a winner, period. And if, if I I don't I'm not going to be part of a team that's contending, then I'd be fine with us trading everybody. Like I appreciate I appreciated him being forthright about that stuff. Now it's sad what's happened to him in his career. It really is. And and it's not Michael Falmer's fault. I put that squarely on the shoulders of the organization and their mishandling of him, truly. 2016 I, I don't put on them because you're in the middle of a playoff chase. You know I, I think they did at points that year try to limit his innings. You know maybe cut off an inning or two here or there because he had a lot of starts where he was rolling and they take him out after six or seven innings when he probably could have pitched eight or nine. Twenty seventeen he was noticeably injured. I had the you know the, the infamous rant that got featured on Barstool talking about that. And as much as I you know am embarrassed by a lot of those things that I said in my early videos. The point I was making, I wish I would have made it a little bit more subtly, but the point I was making in that video was that you have a guy who you believe is a potential, you know, front of the line franchise pitcher for you. At best, he's a long term option. At worst, he's tremendous trade bait. And you're throwing him out there, feeding, you know, f- handing, you know, fresh meat to the wolves, and watching the guy get devoured. And he came back in 2018. I don't think he was healthy in 2018. He didn't pitch very well. It led to him getting Tommy John in 2019, and now he's trying to battle back. But you know, he made some comments saying he was embarrassed by his performance last year. And, you know, that's obviously, that's a harsh word. I I don't know if embarrassing is the right word. I mean, you know, he has every right to say that. I don't think I ever referred to what he did last year as embarrassing because we knew what the situation was. You know, Matt Boyd last year, to me, put together some embarrassing performances. That was a guy at full health coming off of a season that many people le- believed could potentially lead to a breakout year, and he was he was truly off. He was a home run machine. I don't think what Michael Fulmer did was embarrassing. In fact, I, I think in a way he was courageous. The guy's working his butt off just to try to get back to full health and, and competing for a team that is probably beneath his talents and he's going to fight for a rotation spot. And look, it would be an amazing story to see Michael Fulmer come back completely healthy. I have serious doubts, but I sure as hell would love to see him Prove me wrong, because at his best, he was he was so much fun here, and it, it's a shame that his career has kind of gone sideways the way it has, because seems like a genuine dude, and at his best, was, was an elite pitcher. So that will do it for segment number one. When I come back at segment number two, I'm going to talk about the Yankees, who made some big moves over the weekend. We'll be right back. AFC and NFC championship games are set. College basketball in full swing. My Michigan Wolverines in the thick of things in the Big Ten championship race and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust if you're betting on games and that's betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts the Improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. You have 18 amazing flavors, 6 new ones, as well as the 12 original flavors. I got some sent to my place just the other day. They taste great, honestly, and Built Bars are healthy as well. They're great for the health-conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet as well. So go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BiltBar.com. 2020 is mercifully over and in the rearview mirror. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Lockdown Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Lockdown Bets wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in on this Monday. So as I alluded to in the first segment, the Yankees made some big moves. DJ LeMahieu and I I I didn't talk about this a lot, but there's all, there were all these rumors that DJ LeMahieu who'd been who has been amazing for the Yankees over the last two seasons. Won the batting title last year, batted 364 in the 60 game season, but there were all these rumors about how negotiations with the Yankees and LeMahieu had fallen through that he was considering the Red Sox, he was considering several other places and I, I always in my heart of hearts feel like a, a guy who's with the Yankees is going to end up back with the Yankees. A, and that's what happened here. LeMahieu ends up getting a six-year extension, six years, $90 million from the Yankees. He's going to be 32 years old this year. You know, they're going to be paying him till he's 38. But at the same time, I, I, I can't knock it. I, I can't say it's a terrible move. You know, do I think he'll reach the heights that he reached last year? No, but like... This is one of those guys where even if the power goes away, I mean, at Yankee Stadium and a stadium like that and in that division, it's hard for the power to dissipate that much. But even if the power goes away, solid enough defender, great pure hitter. like He's like an old-time baseball guy. Like He doesn't strike out much, can hit the ball to all fields, just great eye at the plate. He's actually improved his walk rate quite a bit over the last several seasons, especially last year, had a four twenty one on base percentage, which was the highest of his career, can't knock it. I think it's a smart move for the Yankees, and everyone was acting like the Yankees weren't going to go out and spend money, or I even heard people say the Yankees are going to be sellers. I never buy that. The Yankees, the one thing you got to say about them, and this is true, and I talked about this on a podcast a couple weeks ago, they never stop pursuing greatness. They never stop attempting to be great. And this deal here is no exception. DJ LeMayhew back with the New York Yankees. The other deal they made was that they signed Corey Kluber. And I I alluded to this on Friday's podcast that I felt like Kluber was going to go to a contender. That's exactly where he ended up with the New York Yankees. Uh, The definition of low risk, high reward, you know, that rotation still needs some work. Obviously, Garrett Cole, incredible but you know, there's not really a solid number two in that rotation. The Garcia kid at points last year, and small sample size, so showed some flashes. But I don't know if you can rely on him to be a number two in a rotation. Severino coming back from injury at his best could be a top level starter, but he's had injury problems. Kluber, I don't know what they're going to get out of Kluber. I, I I think I have an idea. Like I think he's going to be pretty good for them. And again, I maybe this is me having those those Detroit. Cleveland blinders on, where it's like I not only have that kind of the affinity for what Kluber did in Cleveland, but I saw him just butcher my team so many times, and I know he's had injuries, but I don't. None of the injuries he he's had to me have been like devastating to a point where you got to look at it and be like, okay, is this guy's career over? Like there's been some fluky injuries. I know he's had a few arm problems, but like got hit by a line drive on the arm. That's something you can come back from. That's not like Tommy John or something like that. Like like I talked about with Michael Fulmer, I still believe he has good baseball left in him. I don't think that adding him makes the Yankees rotation formidable. And it's the reason why the Yankees haven't won a world series in 12 years is they keep trying to do this nonsense of, oh, we're going to use openers in the postseason or, We're going to have starters pitch three innings. And I talked about this in October. You do that. When you're a low-market team that doesn't have the, the horses in your rotation to throw a guy out there for six, seven, eight innings at a time, these are the New York Yankees. These are the biggest spenders in baseball. I guess the Dodgers are probably ahead of them now, but you know what I mean. I mean, one of the, the highest of high-market teams in the history of sports. You, you shouldn't be having to outsmart your opponents. You know, go out and get the best pitchers available. I don't know if Kluber's going to be a guy who's ever going to pitch 180 innings again, but I think he'll pitch some solid baseball for him. I, I really do. I believe in Kluber, and I think that was a solid low-risk, high reward deal for the Yankees. There are also some rumors, and I'm not going to talk about this until probably... Wednesday, but I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it here before we, we call it quits on today's show. There are some rumors that the Yankees are potentially looking to trade for Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo, stud pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. I've sang his praises many times on this podcast. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch, pitched really well down the stretch for the Reds last season and had an all-star season in 2019 as well. Uh, we'll see what comes of it. It would make sense because obviously the Yankees just handed out six years, $90 million to LeMahieu, but that's not... Like for them, that's not much. That That's chump change. I have heard of those rumors that the Yankees are trying to avoid going out and splurging on like a, a Garrett Cole type of deal. So it would make more sense for them to bolster their rotation through trades than it would through free agency. I don't see them making a big push to get Bauer, even with the whole Cole versus Bauer like rivalry that they may have. Pushing that to the side, I just don't see them dishing out the money for him. It would make more sense to be like, hey, we got a good farm system. We have a deep farm system and we have for a while let's make some moves to go, to acquire a guy like Luis Castillo who still has several more years of team control and at his best has the ability to to pitch all-star caliber baseball I'd say look out for that, because I like him a lot, and I think the Yankees, I really believe, are just one really good starting pitcher away from potentially being the favorite to win the American League. They've been so close over the last several years, and the reason they haven't gotten over the hump is that rotation just has been subpar, especially considering how good every other piece of that baseball team is. It's been jarring how lackluster their rotation has been over the last several seasons, so keep an eye out on that. Lastly, and I just I wanted to cover this real quick, because I think it puts kind of a bookend... Um, on a story that I've been covering here over the last several months and you know it's a running theme throughout this podcast my my undying adoration for Theo Epstein obviously he just stepped down from the Cubs about a month and a half ago maybe even 2 months ago but he's got a job in the commissioner's office now his uh, this is from the MLB's official announcement under the supervision of the commissioner and the owners competition committee Theo Epstein will work with baseball analytics experts from the commissioner's office and the clubs to determine the likely effects of various contemplated rule changes. Uh this is great. This is a, a a tremendous hire and I I'll call my shot right now on January eighteenth, 2021. One day Theo Epstein will be the commissioner of baseball. Look, I, I know we're in the middle of the worst tenure ever and Rob Manfred is you know look, I maybe he's a nice guy and I try not to be too personal, but as a commissioner I just feel like the guy's a complete dud. I don't see him being commissioner for that much longer. Now, wishful thinking, maybe, knock on wood, maybe, who knows. But, like, I don't see him having the, like, 30-year tenure that Bud Selig had. I think that the pushback is too too brutal against him. He was kind of an older guy when he took the job anyway. So, I don't see him being around a ton longer. I feel like at – Theo Epstein, that's where, like, if there it was ever one guy I would actually interview on the podcast, it would be him, because I really want to talk to him and see what how what he thinks as an adamant, just a huge lover of baseball, what he thinks of the sport in general, and I, maybe that's one of the reasons, a conspiracy theory here, this is just a theory, like I said, but maybe that's one of the reasons why he left the Cubs, It was he just felt like the game itself was kind of getting away from him and and i hope that he steps in and does a good job helping out rob manford in the commissioner's office and maybe one day he'll become commissioner himself or gm for the tigers either one works for me but that will do it for today's show you can follow me on twitter at castellani 2014 uh, I don't know when I'm coming back to Twitter, and I don't, know. I don't even care at this point, so I apologize, but you can follow this show on Twitter. I recommend doing that. That's where you'll get updates. That's where you'll find all the important stuff that's at locked on, Tigers on Twitter. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. Really, really would appreciate if you guys do that. I like to hear the, the positive feedback. It means a lot, so if you could go ahead. Just, it takes just a few minutes here, maybe, maybe even a few seconds. Leave a positive review. I'd appreciate that. I will be right back here on Wednesday, covering some more baseball news. I appreciate all of you sticking with me. I will be right back here in two days. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.